Wow. This was a week for us, a historic week in the life of our church. And um, today I have entitled the sermon, uh, hopefully, hopefully uh, rightly fitted, Battles. Let's go ahead and put up that title. Battles, Beat-Ups, Breakthroughs, and Big Vision. Uh, battles, Beat-Ups, Breakthroughs, and Big Vision. And um, if you don't uh, read the paper, because it was on the front page of the paper, if you don't look at any of the news in the city, because uh, it was on all of them, and if you don't know anybody in all peoples, um, then you might not know what we're talking about. Uh, but we went to city council this week after six years of uh, going through quite a journey after a couple dozen, over a couple dozen meetings with neighborhood and community. Uh, first of all, church, I just want to thank you for showing up. Uh, hundreds of you fasted for this. You prayed. Um, three quarters of the city council uh, room chambers was, was our people. Uh, hundreds of you wrote letters. Hundreds of people from other churches wrote and, and prayed and fasted alongside of us. And then numerous people shared powerful testimonies. And, um, and what happened is after having gone through all this and, 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 and making adjustments after getting the city staff of San Diego's recommendation for this, after getting a unanimous approval vote with the planning commission, commissioners, who are the experts in this, um, we were blindsided by, uh, by a denial vote. And it, was, it hinged upon a, a very faulty logic that actually what all the experts said and, and different people have said that have done this for 30 years, uh, that they've never seen a project be treated like this in San Diego history. Um, and so the, the and, and this is how we knew because in the end, what it hinged on was we got treated as if we were a church and a, uh, a gymnasium, uh, like a, a sports facility. And so instead of just a church, and then what we said was, okay, well, if that's the problem, even though we've been in numerous meetings where no one's ever brought this up and we sat here and you just treated us kindly and said everything was good. Um, but if that is the case, then we'll just let it go. We'll let go of the gym, no problem. But then there wasn't any discussion to be had. And so it was just said, nope, uh, move to denial vote and we're out. And, um, you know, we were all shocked because no one saw this coming. And, um, and in the same way, we're not surprised. Because if you read the Bible, which I do, from Genesis to Revelation, there are attacks against the people of God. And, and this is a spiritual attack. And today I want to talk and, and even look at Scripture. I, I actually really want to talk to you about how, how we process this. Because if you were with us last week, we said, uh, this is all about God's glory. This is why we do it. This is why we try to build a building. This is why we bought this piece of land. This is why we do church. It's all about God's glory. And so may God get the glory no matter what happens. Um, the first thing that happened is, you know, we were very strongly come against. And it was a, very, it was a big pivot and a big surprise to us. And so we get denied. And, you know, you're in shock. Uh, I don't know if you know this about life by now, but sometimes things don't happen like you think they're going to happen. Sometimes you think 
God certainly could have done something different. <laughs> Anybody experience that? And, um, and so in a moment like that, the first thing that happened to me is that our PR consultant comes and goes, Robert, all the news stations are going to want to talk to you. And I'm sure that's the last thing you want to do. So I can help you sneak out the, the side door real quick. And believe you me, there's nothing I would have rather done than run for the hills, you know. Um, and yet, we had said, we want to bring God glory. And so the, 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 the next thought was, if people are going to put microphones in front of us, then we're going to talk about God. And so, um, guys, uh, in the probably one-minute interview I had, I probably said God ten times. I was like, "This is gonna be, you're going you're gonna to have to be a master to edit God out of there. <laughs> because I, was, I said, you know, we trust in God. And this is an opportunity for us to practice what we preach. That The Bible says in Romans 8, 28, that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. So we trust in God and God is good and we will not stop our God mission of loving God and telling people about God. Now here's actually, the amazing thing is, here's what I've heard is that some people watch some TV interviews and and God wasn't mentioned. So I wanna say props to them for being unbelievable editors uh, because that that would have been masterful. But um, what I'm saying is our goal has always been to glorify God. And we want to glorify God in defeat. And we want to model the city glorifying God in disappointment. Right? Everyone can glorify God when something good happens. I mean, I guess not everyone. But, um, but it's harder when things are disappointing, when things are challenging. Um, let me tell you what happened next. Um, I, uh, I was driving home. And um, I'm just crying out like, Lord, you got to help us. Like, we don't have a place to meet in June. God, this is your church, can I remind you? And, and um, would you raise up some kingdom businessman or some large church pastor that would make a way, like that would help us provide because we, we're going to be homeless in June. God, you got to do something. So that's my prayer in the car ride home. And I'll come back to that um, towards the end of the message. Um, then here's what happens next is uh, I, I, I get home, and it's my son's birthday. And we need to celebrate his birthday. And can, can I just tell you, parents, that, that we want our kids to feel loved in the unconditional love of God. And sometimes you have to put aside your emotions and your problems and ask God for grace to love on your kid. That was just a side parenting teaching. Okay. Um, and, and, but I told my son, hey, I am so sorry that this birthday probably stinks for you for, for, for how your parents are. And, and man, it's not you. It's, it's just what's going on. And so we got through that and encouraged him. And then I was like, I got to get some time alone, Steph. And so I bundled up. It's pitch dark. And I'm just like, I'm going to go for a walk. And here's the thing I did. I walked outside and I said, God, this is hard. I am hurting. Uh, can I just tell you that everything, every, every time something happens, you don't just need to throw out a, a, a Christian meme or quip. Be real. We say, get, get real. And God can take your realness. And I'm like, God, this stinks. 
And God, I don't have the strength. You got to help me. And then I started praying for you and going like, God, for all my friends that are disappointed, be with them right now. Help us, Lord. We don't have the strength. You got to help us. And, and, um, and then I, I found myself on my knees just saying, God, I surrender everything. Like, I, this is not Robert's church. This is your church, and I give it back. Any way I've tried to hold on, I give it back. This is not your movement of churches, uh, Robert. This is God's move. This is your, I relinquish this, Lord. I relinquish everything. I mean, I was like, Lord, I relinquish San Diego to you. Like, I let everything, if, if I, you know, I, I was remembering the reformers. They got chased out of town. John Calvin, kind of a big name. John Huss, right? Big, these, these people, and, and, and I'm reflecting on them. I'm also thinking about all the ones that were put in jail for their faith. I'm like, God, thank you. I came home from that and sat dinner with my son. Like, it could be a lot worse right now. But I'm on my knee. I just want you to know, I want, I'm taking you through it just so you can understand. I'm not saying I did it perfectly, but just so you can hear my process. Because I tried to do it in the biblical way. I grieved. Then I got all my needs, and I relinquished everything. And I was like, God, I, I'll, I'll go anywhere. If, if, if you're saying, let go of the church, let someone else have it, I'll do it. If you're saying, move over, I'll do it. Like, I'm holding on to nothing. My life is 100% surrendered to you. And I want to tell you, there is a freeing feeling when everything's not on you. And you're just saying, Daddy, I trust you with everything. I want to tell you, there's no place like that surrender. And then I went to bed. Sometime, one of my, my father-in-law one time told me on a horrible day, he goes, Robert, you just need to go to bed. Uh, I tell you, sleep, if, if you can sleep, is a blessing. And his mercies are new every morning. But you know what happened to me, and this happened to you before, I'm sure, is I woke up in the middle of the night and my mind was racing. And I was mad. Uh, I was mad that I wasn't sleeping. And I, so I said, God, I need you to speak clearly. I don't feel like I've heard you speak clearly. Give me a dream. And I went to sleep, and by his mercy, he gave me a dream. And in the dream, uh, one of our consultants showed up, one of the people who's worked on the project. And, and, and that person has gone through a challenging and hopeless situation. And they could show up and they look at me and say something, and very spiritual, very mysterious. They say one phrase, sailing at the heights. Sailing at the heights. And boom, I wake up. And I'm like, I know that was a spiritual dream. And I know from, from scripture, and I, I know biblical ways of interpreting dreams, because there's all these spiritual dreams, and if you don't understand that, you can get Kendall's book, his dream map book. I'm not trying to make him money right now. Um, <laughs> but you can get his book at the bookstore, and, and how you interpret dreams is what does the person symbolize to you? In my life, that person symbolizes the most hopeless situation, and that person was looking at me speaking hope. And then they said sailing, and what does sailing mean to me? I've always called all peoples, because people always ask us, and we find ourselves in challenging situations, this is all peoples, I always say, listen, we're not a motorboat. We don't just lock in on where we want to go and push ourselves through. We're a sailboat. We feel called in life to put up our sail and let the wind of the Spirit blow us. And, and guys, I immediately got this uh, prophetic word that, that, uh, that a very, um, uh, a person who has a prophetic gift sent to me, 
And, and it said this, it said John, John 3 is the, the scripture where the wind blows. You don't see the effects of the wind, but the wind blows where it, it pleases. And such are those who are born of the Spirit. They're blown by the wind of God. What does at the heights mean? It means, guys, we don't live in this world. We don't fight as this world fights. We're seated with him in heavenly places. And so I can, I can look down and go, man, my home is heaven. And God is in charge. And when things don't go how they want, I, because I've had, I've had, guys, I've seen it too many times. I had a heart problem that almost killed me. And they said I wouldn't recover. And, and, and spoiler alert, they said I'd die. Spoiler alert, I lived. I'm not dead. And in fact, they analyzed my heart this year or, or, or last year and said, you have a heart of a much younger man. Like, God has the final word. Uh, let me just say that again. God has the final word on everything. And so, and, and then I wake up in the morning and I just op open to where my Bible reading is. And this is it. I'm going to go through it really fast. This is when Moses is trying to, to, to move into the promised land. And it says, Korah, son of Izar, and the son of Koath, and the son of Levi, and certain Reubenites, Dathan and Abram, sons of Eliab, uh, and own son of Peleth, became insolent and rose up against Moses with some 250 Israelite men, well-known community leaders who had been appointed by members of the council, and they came as a group to oppose Moses and Aaron and said to them, you've gone too far. The whole community is holy, every one of them, and the Lord is with them. Why then do you set yourselves above the Lord's assembly? Do you know that people have always opposed the people of God? Moses, the greatest leader up until that point of the people of God, was opposed. Not just by a few leaders, like a whole group came against them. Um, like, this is nothing new. David, King David, brought Israel into its greatest time. He was opposed. He was hunted. He had a javelin thrown at him. He had to run for years. Uh, Esther, she was opposed. She thought she would die. She risked her life. They were trying to annihilate all of her people. Jeremiah, thrown in a muddy well for speaking on behalf of God. Paul, who writes the, the, the 1 Corinthians 13 about love. I mean, he's just trying to love people. And he's getting stoned and beat up and thrown in prison. And, and by the way, Jesus, all of our creator, um, who only did, only loved, only served, he was persecuted, he was beaten, and he was killed. So why, Christian, would we expect to not have to suffer in this life? To not have people come against us? To not have it said, hey, no project has ever been treated like that in San Diego history. Oh, and, and you know, I can't believe the animosity towards you or the amount of hate mail that I've received personally to my house or the calls and the messages of vile things said to us or a whole mass of construction trash dumped in front of my house. All these things I haven't told you. Uh, or a, a, a letter, a hate mail with powder in it that the feds had to be called because they thought it was poison. Sent to, sent to my house. Why is that any surprise? This is only what's happened to the people of God through the years. And guys, we know the end of the story. Can I say that again? 
We know the end of the story, um, but let me just read the end of this story. When Moses heard this, he fell face down. Why? Because we don't go up and swing punches at people and curse them and hate them. We actually don't have animosity in our hearts towards the people who've cursed us, who've threat, like, threatened us, who've tried to shut down the Christian club of numerous churches at the school we're in, who've said all kinds of evil lies about it. We, we actually don't have animosity towards them. What we do is we fall face down and say, God, help us. You fight our battles, Lord. Then he said to Korah and to all his followers in the morning, the Lord will show who belongs to him and who's holy. And we'll have that person come near him. The man he chooses will come near him. You, Korah, and all your followers are to do this. And he goes through this thing, and he's basically saying, I'm going to show who's from God. And then watch this, guys. I'm going to skip down to verses 16 through 19. And it says, so each of them took a censer, put burning coals in it, incense in it, and stood with Moses and Aaron at the entrance to the tent of the meeting when Korah had gathered all his followers in opposition to them at the entrance to the tent of meeting. The glory of the Lord appeared to the entire assembly. What does that mean? So many times we just think, well, the glory of God is going to appear when we get the touchdown and win the game. The glory of God's going to appear when we get the, the city council vote. This said the glory of God appeared when there was opposition. Like sometimes God wants to show up in the middle of things looking really bad. Are you following me? And so I don't know. I'm not God. I don't always understand why things happen, but I do know we signed up to be about his glory. And so we are trusting that in this, that God will be glorified. And can I just tell you, I mean, I think you know this, but the light project's not over. Like, we're not like, oh, man, well, I guess we'll just shut the doors and move to Idaho. No, it's not over until God says it's over. He's the ruler and creator of the world. And we just humble ourselves and we fall on our face and say, oh God, help us. And no man or no group can stand against us. And, and, and so um, I want to thank you for all that you've done. I want to thank you for fasting. I want to thank you for praying. I want to thank you for the dozens and dozens of you who texted and prayed and, and said, we're with you and, and we trust God for an outcome and we're pulling together. And I just want to say, um, one of my dear friends was in the room and, and he's pastored numerous churches and, and now he's a part of our church and he comes up to me and says, Beijing. I said, what? And he said, I was in Beijing and the government came so strong against the church and you couldn't even meet publicly and there's never been a revival in a country like in China and the amount of people and you can't stop and the church and if you think that persecution actually is going to make people stop, it only makes us draw nearer to God, trust him more and the church expands and, and moves and, and loves more and serves more. It will only arise. And he's like, so the devil's overplayed his hand again. This is what has happened through the history of the world. So um, God loves moving in impossible situations. And so, yeah, of course it was really disappointing, but guys, I've seen God's goodness. Like I saw them tell me my heart problem was going to kill me, and then I saw it just changed and, and changed my life and upgraded me, and now I'm healed. I'm healed. 
with a per- I, I saw when God told me and Steph to buy a piece of land in the inner city and build a house and the, the owner mocked us. I saw that as we prayed and prayed and prayed and it was like God softened his heart. The guy actually has a heart attack and then calls us and goes, God changed my heart. I want you to have this land. And God got glory, and we built the house. And then I saw it with my house out here that I have now that, that it was impossible, but God was saying, no, go for this house. So we chased it through the court system. I mean, I was sitting in a courtroom, and a judge goes, what are you doing here, young man? I said, well, I'm trying to get this house. And he looked at me and went, that's interesting. I'll ne- I, I still don't understand legally all that happened, how we got the house we have for one-third of what it's worth, and how many people have come to Jesus in that house. I just, I, 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 you've heard me talk about this big group that, that arose and, and, and persecuted me and wrote all these lies about me on my campus, passed out 8,000 flyers on campus. That's a bad day, personally. Um, and, they, and they tried to hurt us. And yeah, some people fell away. Like some people couldn't take the, the pressure. And both of the authors of that article ended up coming back saying, I was wrong, I repent. One of them became a theology professor who called me and said, Robert, I now watch your sermons to help me write my book on the power of God. I just, I, and I'm not, I'm just saying, I've just seen God bring too many, he's just too good. And he just over and over again, he wins. And so what I really want to say today is that, um, yeah, it seems impossible now to build this building, but can I tell you what God's called us to is so much bigger than a building and so much more impossible? And so today what I felt led to do in response to what we've had is to give you guys the plan that God's given us, the strategic plan for all people's church and all people's movement, because this is what we give to our our global workers when they're going out to plant all people's churches. And I just felt like today, it's like, no, now everyone's a global worker. Like, we're all called to be fully in the kingdom. And how do we respond? Is we, 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 we say, God, I'm fully in. And so this is, this is what it is, and I'm actually going to put one in each of your hands. Like, this is what we put in the hands of our people when they're going out the door to start an all-people's church so they can understand, like, this is our vision, this is our values. So, guys, we're in the war room now. And I wanted to share with you what God has shared with us, and, and everyone's going to get one, and I'm just going to go through this really quickly because, guys, what God's called us to is way more impossible than building a 50,000-square-foot building on the freeway in San Diego. Uh, first of all, let me just say that, that, that right after Strategic One Planet says we're all about Jesus. That's why this church exists. If Jesus isn't doing it, I don't want any part of it. And I don't want anything more than Jesus. He is my passion. He is my calling. He is my vision. He is our obsession. We are all, I'm in love with Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And I'm about what he's about. And if he's about it, I'm going to be about it, whether it's popular or not, because he has been too good to me. He is the one who created me. He is the one who saved me. Um, here's our purpose. Why do we exist? Guys, we don't exist to create Disney World for Jesus or Six Flags over Christianity. 
Like, that's never been the goal, is just to have some luxurious complex. No, our, our goal is transforming lives to bless a city, to bless San Diego. Like, we love San Diego, but we think the greatest thing we can do is have people who are transformed, and that transform people transform cities, and, and, and loving people bring love and, and reconcile all people, and they bring freedom and breakthrough and change, and then we plant churches. Why do we plant churches? You're like, I've never been a part of a church that plant churches. Because Jesus planted churches. Jesus said, I'll build my church. And the gates of hell won't prevail against it. And then he sent out his disciples. And you know what they did? They planted churches. Right? I, I'm, I'm for all kinds of things that advance the kingdom, but churches are the centerpiece of that. And, 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 and hopefully what you know is I'm not talking about buildings. Buildings are great. Buildings help us gather together. Like every seat in here is packed, right? And so we need a bigger building. But but what I'm saying is this, is that the church, Jesus said, I will build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. Um, here is our calling. Like I said, we're all about Jesus. It's the ministry of Jesus, Luke 4, 18 and 19. There's, Jesus could have picked any scripture in the whole Bible to define his ministry, and he picks Luke 4, 18 and 19. Let's put that verse up. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. For the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And so you see these bullet points of what we're going to be all about. Bold proclamation of the gospel. If you would have been in that city council meeting, you would have heard Christian Curiel stand up and say, I was a gang member. I was incarcerated. And a person from this church shared the gospel with me. And then they brought me to church the next day. I gave my life to Jesus, I got out of that gang, I stopped being violent, and now my job is preaching to young people in a camp, and I was a missionary in Mexico, by the way, and, and now my whole life, he goes, I shouldn't even be alive, but Jesus saved me through the gospel. <sighs> Glory to God, and then here's the next one, healing and freedom for individuals. If you would have been in that meeting, you would have heard John Ferreira stand up and say, I was suicidal. I was thinking about taking my life. But God met me. And he said, now I lead a large youth organization that's in almost, it has a Christian club in almost every school in the county. I mean, it's, it's crazy. There's, there's club, Christian clubs all over. And God took a suicidal young man and now made him a messenger of hope and healing. And I could just go, I could go on and on and on in this room. Favor and unity with believers. Like God has used this church, and it's just one of the churches in town. But guys, we had people from so many churches coming together, praying, filling that room with us, sending out letters, coming together that we have that land because another pastor sent it to us. And then there were hundreds of people. The people were fasting and praying, not just here, but all over the place. And, and that's the crazy thing is that Jesus brings us together and unifies us. And, and that's why we're going to keep going because a win, there hasn't been a church built on the freeway in decades. And so a win for us is a win for the whole body of Christ. Um, a heart for the poor. Uh, I love that if you would have been in that room, you would have heard Phil Palmer say, I was homeless. And, and now I'm, I'm married. I'm raising my family for Jesus. 
And I lead a food distribution ministry for many other people. Uh, the supernatural, you would have heard Melanie say, I was a meth addict living in the gutter. And she said, if you would have seen me, you would have thought I was hopeless. And they brought me into this church. A group prayed for me. I got delivered. I'm free from meth. I'm off the streets. And now I lead a homeless outreach ministry telling people they can have what I have. And you're looking at her going, you are transformed. You are beautiful. Only God. And diversity, God brings together. The gospel makes us one man, right? It, there's no longer Jew nor Gentile, Greek nor bar barbarian or Scythian. It unifies us together. Why is Dr. Martin Luther King so powerful? Because he believed in the life-transforming power of the gospel to unify and to, to give equality and worth to every person. Then you see these, this next part. So we've had the slogan from the beginning. It's get rocked. Say it with me. Get rocked. Get real and give it away. Why? Because um, the American church has often been more like get comfortable, get entertained, you know, and have a nice day. <laughs> that rhymed. Um, and that was never Jesus' intent. Um, I, uh, I, here's the, the first step is decision on this growth process. The reason we came up with the growth process is because I had so many people as, as I'd meet with people in San Diego and they'd been like, I've been in church for years, pastor. I think I'm saved. And I'm like, what? Like you've been in church for years. You think you're saved. That's like someone saying, yeah, I think I got married. <laughs> I'm not sure. I don't know about you. My wedding day, I didn't have a question if I got married. <laughs> Let the reader understand. Um, it was am amazing. And when you meet God, he comes into your life and transforms you. And that's why we say get rocked, because we didn't want to just say, like, love God. Right? It's like, no, Saul to Paul. Like, he got rocked by God. Like, what I read when God encounters people in the Bible, he transforms them. Get real. Because we don't want people just playing church. I've met way too many people that just put on a good face at church, and then they're jerks during the week. And so we actually believe, that, hey, be real. Be where you are. Don't act. Don't put on a religious face. Let's be authentic. Let's share with each other our struggles. And, and, and let's confess to each other our sin. Free. And we helped and then give it away. Um, it's, we're called to give what we've been given. And we're called to be outward focused. And, that, and that's why we have this growth process. Decision, dunked, delivered, discipled, deployed. So we actually know this is how Saul, the murderous, prideful, hateful man, went all the way to being Paul, the apostle of love that was advancing the kingdom, is because he actually made a clear decision for Jesus. He actually got dunked. There should never be a person who makes a decision for Jesus that doesn't get baptized. You're not waiting to earn it. It's just like, that's your first obedient step. And then we get disciple. We actually don't just make a decision, but we actually start walking with Jesus and start being invested in, and we get in a small group and we're delivered. There's power to set us free, and then we get deployed. We get launched out to 
actually transform our world. And look, the next part is expressed in community. Let me just explain this real quick because everyone needs a family. And so we have these values of how the family of God is supposed to treat each other. And through his empowering Holy Spirit, through Romans 12, we understand how to actually treat each other. And we make this commitment like, yeah, we're going to make mistakes, but the playing rules of engagement here in this house are way different than in the family that some of you grew up in. Like, it's not up. There we go. Um, it's honor. Like, every person is going to be honored here. And we're going to look for the best in every person. And we're going to call out the gold in every person. And we're going to treat every person as made in the image of God. And then it's humility. Man, we're not gonna we're not gonna brag and boast and strut around and draw glory to ourselves. It's about the glory of God, and we're gonna we're gonna hit our face. And when something great happens, we're gonna give all glory to God. Hard work, like God deserves our best. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all under the glory as of the Lord, as the Lord you're working for. And so we're going to work hard for the Lord. Hospitable and warm. Hospitality. The, the Bible says to practice hospitality. And so, you know, so, sometimes people have said, you know, all people's church, it's a hard place to be anonymous because you walk in and there's like a parade of people on either side of you trying to greet you and, and say hi to you. And, and we're like, yeah, because that's a healthy family. Like, yeah, we, 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 might, we might miss you, especially if you're running, we might. But I've even seen our pastors chase people. Uh, because, because we want you to, to know you are wanted here. No matter where you came from, no matter what background you come from, no matter where your life is right now, you are wanted. And that's a healthy family. Honesty and vulnerability. We're going to be real with each other. We're going we're to actually share. And healthy conflict. Some people, you're, you're like, what? There's such a thing? Yes. That actually brings us together when we're real with each other and something's challenging and we actually have healthy conflict, not to tear someone down, but to build each other up and to walk closer in unity. This is our core commitment. And when people experience, I can't tell you how many people, the, the, the real place you experience this is in your small group. Okay, so you're actually getting to know people. I can't tell you how many people have said, I, I have felt loved. I have felt wanted like never before. I've been treated different than I've ever been treated before. I have been healed through being in the body of Christ. The next thing is this movement practices. You see that below. The Bible says in Ephesians 4 that God gave apostles, uh, apostles prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. For me growing up, I'm so thankful I grew up in church. I'm so thankful I got a foundation of the word of God. But for us, church was sitting in our pew and watching some professional clergy perform. That's not what my job is. That's not what our team's job is. Our job is to equip you to actually do the kingdom. And so I've met people that have been in the church forever that don't know how to pray. That's not okay. Like, and if you're saying, I don't know how to pray today, no, that's, then let us help you. Like, we're going to equip you to pray. 
and worship. And, and so when we send out our people to plant churches even, and you know, there's all this literature on how to plant churches and how much money you need to raise and how you have to have the perfect branding and the amount of cards to send out and the TV commercials. And, the, and I mean, that's fine, but that's not the main thing. How do you plant a church? You pray, you hear God, you do what he says, and you worship. The church exists to worship. And what is worship? Guys, the reason we do music up here, I'm, I'm glad if you enjoy it, but it's not about you. Worship is to minister to him. Uh, my favorite day of the year now is Father's Day because it's the day that my kids actually like write cards and encourage me. Steph's very good about having them do that. And I'm like, really, you really think that, kids? And you, every Sunday is Father's Day. Now, wipe it out what, we, what you think if you have father issues because your father issues aren't with this father. He is perfect. And the reason we worship is we minister to the Lord. It's not entertainment music. It's ministry to him. And then we, we're going to share the gospel evangelism like we want every person, and that's what I'm so proud of, is so many, some of you are in this room or here, not because you prayed and gave your life to Jesus because of a message I preached, someone shared with you. Like right now, our, our young people are seeing people come to the Lord in the, in the public high schools. It's amazing. And, and people are coming to the Lord in businesses and in neighborhoods. Like, you can share the gospel, and we're going to help you and train you to do that. And then you make disciples. It's not just, do you notice in the Bibles, there's crowds, like people that were just there for food, and just there to hear Jesus do a teaching, but then the number of disciples, the followers were always growing. The ones who said, we're not here just, just to have a little food. We're, we're with you, Jesus. And that's my goal, and that's even why we're going to talk about discipleship in the upcoming days, is, is that we would be people that are with him, becoming more like him, making disciples. And then lastly, small groups. And I've already explained, we, get, we come together and get in, involved in a small group, and that's where you get healed, and that's where you know people, and that's where your life is transformed. We have movement training processes for those to help them go deeper and be more transformed and to say, I'm going to set aside a year of my life or a year and a half of my life to actually go deep in, in transformation and being a leader and understanding the sphere of society God's called me to. But now I just want to show you something that's just crazy. If you think building a building is crazy, I want to show you something that's crazy. But if, if I were to say that God's spoken to me before, this would be in the top three things that I know he's spoken to me. This is our God-inspired goals. To plant 3,000 churches as a movement. Um, this coming month, we'll plant church number 20. Um, it's taken us 15 years to plant 20 churches. So what I'm saying is this is impossible. Uh, but with man, things are impossible. With God, all things are possible. And I know to the depths of who I am that this is what God's called all peoples to. Um, at this pace, it'll be 600 years. <laughs> but we don't have a God who operates on our timeline. We feel called a plant in every nation of the world. Um, that's not going to be easy. Uh, there's some nations that really 
won't like what we're doing. Um, but with God, all things are possible. And, and, and today, I want you owning this. I want, and, and what is this? This is just the Bible. The Bible says in Matthew 24, 14, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Why do we plant 3,000 churches? Because Jesus planted churches. Why do we go into every nation? Because Jesus said it. Matthew 28, go into all nations and make disciples. And, 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 and God's just saying, maybe this little church is crazy enough to believe my word and take me on it. Um, so the day after we get the denial vote is when our international team was meeting. And uh, one of the things we've done through the years, we, we did this a few years back, is we said, okay, what are the next nations that God's calling us to? And then by God's grace, we've planted in all those nations. And uh, we'll plant in other ones, and we, we want every one. But we said, what's the next nine? And so can I just get a drum roll, please? Because I want to show you. You're the drum roll, by the way. The band's not here. I want to show you the next nine locations that we feel called to plant all people's churches in. Ready, go. Um, I want you to look at this because I want everyone to own one of these in their heart some of you are going to go on short-term trips. Some of you are going to, going to help fund these. Um, some of you in this room will even move to these different places. Um, here we go. Guam, uh, gateway to the Southeast Asia, Manila, Philippines, uh, Nepal, Turkey, North Africa, Spain, Costa Rica, Mexico, we really feel right now, Mexico City and Cabo. And then another team launched out to Hawaii, and everyone said, here I am, Lord, send me. <laughs> You're like, can I jump on this early? Lord, why it's Hawaii and, and uh, not Afghanistan? And... Um, <laughs> I, I hope what you're seeing today is this. We suffered a defeat, and it's right to pause and grieve. And, and it's right to surrender again. But it's not right to have no hope. Because he is the God of hope. And it's not right to say that I'm, it didn't go exactly how I wanted, so I'm done with the vision. It's actually right to say, God, only you. Only you. Because what we experience this week is a macrocosm of what all of us experience in our own ways. Of Lord, it didn't go the way I wanted, or God, I got defeated, or God, this door seemingly shut, or this person came against me, or this group came against me. And God is saying, we don't live by sight, but we live by faith in the Son of the living God, who it looked really bad when he was scourged and killed and put in a grave, but it was a good day when the power of God raised him from the dead to become king of kings and lord of lords, and he sits enthroned forever, and that's who you're following. And so, church, we will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And we will be a part of doing what he's called us to because he's the author. He's the perfecter. It's his story, not ours. We're just glad to get to be a part. Would you stand up with me?